0: Of things. Number one, it readdresses again the fact that there are people in our midst who, as we saw this, this week in some of the cross references, that are these, sheep, these um, wolves that come in among the sheep. They will want to distort things. We also know that, therefore, these are people who are claiming they believed on Jesus, but obviously don't, right? And that they are the enemy, and we need to be aware of them. And we need to be, um, as the, um, the protectors, as the watchmen of one another, because we are mutually responsible to help and protect one another, we need to be aware that that there is a danger out there every single day, right? Potentially. Hopefully, we find environments like this where there's safety and security and we're all on the same page. Um, but once we go out into the world and once we go out into ministry and even sometimes in, in the bigger congregation where it's the masses, um, there is a greater degree or greater measure of possibility for, for false things to be creeping in, right? People to have an opinion about something, right? And then kind of teach it as if this is the fact. Um, some people, all, uh, when you when you speak of those who say they will say unto me, Lord, Lord, and I will say unto you, I knew you not. These are people who also are very, can be very charismatic and can be very well respected and can carry themselves as though they really do have this authority of knowledge. And you can get sucked in, you know, and you can also get intimidated into not challenging them when they're, when they go array, when they go sideways on you, right? Um, it's also possible for a Christian to go array on a certain subject matter. And for that matter, not only are there the wolves, but there's also the sheep among the, among the flock who they themselves can get askew on something because they have forgotten to retain the standard of sound doctrine and they've a- allowed some kind of a teaching or an influence to come on them that, sent them in a different angle and all of a sudden they bit off on it now they're telling everybody how exciting it is and everybody comes on board right so today one of the things that I am hopefully we are going to see as we go through looking at Paul and then looking at these qualifications of the elder we are going to um, help to develop a good doctrine ourselves again in the subject of those who are leaders in our churches number one so you can you can view this externally oh yeah but that's the elders because I'm never going to be an elder right so but the part of it that makes it personal is these principles of the high standard that we set for the elder should also be the standard that we set for ourselves right even though we may never aspire to be an elder, because maybe as females in particular, but, and even for many others, if your if calling and your gifting is not to do that, you may never become an elder, but, but yet still, the principles that we're looking at in the life of Paul, that he's, he's impressing upon these elders at Ephesus, are qualities that every one of us should aspire to. That's right. I mean,
1: you know, it, we may not be called to, to go out and do that, but in everything <coughs> that we do, standing in the grocery line. That's lounge, right.
0: Uh, you know, picking up kids, watching kids at the daycare and stuff like that. Awesome. We, we, uh, so we have to be sure that our life is where we're... We need, our. right? we need to feed ourselves, right? We need to discipline our lives to have enough knowledge that we ourselves are able to protect the standard of sound doctrine. If we don't know the standard, we can't protect the standard, can we? So other people then can come in and start saying things and you can get sucked in and carried away by winds of doctrines and various kinds of teachings. So... Today we're going to really stay focused on just two things. Um, Rather than spending a lot of time going back and trying to recoup things today, I just want to be focused on this one subject because I just think it's such a great uh, lesson. Uh, and, it, and it's really, it's this role of elders, but it's also the role of any, one of the, uh, any believer who wants to have an effectual ministry in whatever giftedness you, you have and in whatever ministry God has given to you. Uh, I was talking to my husband um, last night when I was doing homework he was talking to me while I was doing homework. <laughs> but it was really good because he was talking about some things that had been going on. And he work, he does, um, every Sunday morning, he stands at the door and greets. He's really found his niche, and it's really good for him. And he was talking about some one of the uh, gals in the church... Uh, made an extra special uh, effort to come and gave him this little card and thanked him for his words of encouragement and things that he's done for her over the last several months. And uh, she's about to embark on this new thing in her life. And anyway, and I was, he was just talking about this, and he was so excited. And I just got so excited for him because I thought, you know, when you find out where you belong in the body of Christ, when you find your area of serving that is both gratifying to you and exhorting to you so that you yourself grow and you feel fulfilled in the fruit that you bear, whatever it is. And each one of us will do it in various ways. It, you know, it, administration or, or acts of service or mercy. There are some people that just drip with mercy, right? They come into a room and they can just make you feel so much better with a hug and a kind word. Some people are exhorters, they get you on fire, and you just can't wait to go. I mean, whatever your gifting is, you've got to find a ministry in which you can use it. And you've got to find a place in the body of Christ to serve God. There are no free passes for any one of us. We aren't supposed to be freeloaders just riding along and letting everybody else take care of us. One of the points that Paul is going to bring out here about work, right, if you take that and you consider that as a member of the body of Christ, although we're not working to make a living for the body of Christ per se, but when you are in the body of Christ, when you find a, quote, job to do in the church, right, you do that so that what? One of, first of all, that God's glorified, and what happens if a lot of people are helping or just one person is doing it all? What's the difference? You share that workload, and it lightens it so much. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate all of you who pitch in and help make this classroom function every week with setting up and chairs and tables and coffee and bringing in snacks and all the administration and sending out emails for me because i do it so badly and keeping our prayer list and you know just and some of you i had there was one in particular she's not here this semester but she used to send cards to people all the time she would always find out who was going through something and she would write little notes and send out cards all the time there is always huh i know it's becky see you knew even didn't you see there And so, and tell me, it is recognized and it is appreciated. When you find your area of uh, being able to express the giftedness that God has in you, number one, but number two, just simply to love. The scripture says they will know we are Christians by our love. That's right. So. I, that's the, the exhortation before we get into all this technical stuff. I, I want us to see a real application of what we're looking at here this morning. That This is not just for the elders, but the principles of it apply to each one of us individually. And the, the second thing then that's, uh, that we're responsible to do is to figure out what our spiritual gifting is and find a place of service in the body of Christ. And that is exactly what Mike Kalani was talking about yesterday. Was it Mike? Yeah. Yeah, it was Mike. Okay. I don't know, I was there, but you know, don't ever ask me to remember anything, that's not my gift, okay, I can remember the Bible though, what is that about, isn't that the weird, I know, I know it does, but it's just downright scary, because I can remember everything almost about this, you know, homework stuff, but I can't remember my own telephone number, you know, it's so sad, okay. All right, well, let's start by doing some real basics of your fundamentals for your work this week. I want to do what, something we haven't done in a long time. Tell me what were the key words that you found in Acts chapter 20, because this is, a, this is a chapter that it's, uh, um, it, it's, all, it's like all these farewells, 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 right? So it's kind of an interesting one to look for your keywords in. So I want to do that though cuz I do think by doing it you do end up seeing what the emphasis is in here. So what are some keywords? Holy Absolutely, Holy Spirit. Okay. What else? Yes. Absolutely. So the, the word exhort or exhortation. And then there's a couple of other words that kind of are similar to that. What was another one that's like a synonym to it? Did you see the word admonish in there? It's, and by the, when, I, when you look, did you do a word study on exhortation? Anybody? Did you do any word studies this week, That guys, anybody besides me? I did one on commend. Commend, okay. So commend would be another good one. Even though it's only mentioned once, it, is a, it seems to me that there's a, a, a definite uh, focus on the totality of everything he's saying. He's saying, now I commend you to God pertaining to everything I've said. So it makes that word commend much bigger in its significance in the text, right? If removed from the text, does it leave the text devoid of anything? Absolutely. Are you following what I'm saying? Let me say it again. If you remove a wor- the word from the text, does it leave the, the text on the whole devoid of something significant? And the answer would be yes, because it's like a conclusion statement. And he's saying everything that I've said to you now, I, because why? What is happening to him? Where is he going? He's leaving, right? So there's another word by the way. He left. Well, afflictions and and you know, the, and it's synonyms and chains and all that kind of stuff is, is the other thing. So he knows when he's leaving he's he's in for it. Yes. And he talks to them about wolves coming in and and uh deceivers and, and things that they need to be on guard against. So he exhorts, he admonishes the word "admonish is in there, and all, um, I also gave this word in there, and I just marked all three in the same way because they all three kind of are in the same category as a matter of fact, when I did my word study on exhort exhortment to admonish and admonishment to exhort in, in some to some degree, okay they could be actually almost synonyms okay so he, he's, the word left is, is really significant, and it's going to be seen in a variety of ways in there. What, were, what are some things or statements that are made in there that indicates he's leaving? It actually says, left, to go, you departed. Will you will never see my face again. So all those are statements. Do you see how many there are, actually, if you look at from that from that perspective? There are so many of them. Um, He took his leave of them. He took his leave. He left to go. Um, I put departure, Uh, even the word (laughs) sail. Cassell was indicating he's leaving, right? Okay, so this word left and anything associated with it, how big does that become as far as key words are concerned once you look at it from that perspective? It becomes the major key word in here, right? It's all about the fact that Paul is leaving, right, to go somewhere. Um, And then what you were talking about, all these warning statements, right? Wasn't that what you said just a second ago about warning? Oh, warning there's a warning that he is going to suffer affliction oh and aff- and he, and okay and okay yeah okay paul's minister okay yeah it's, it's what's going to happen to paul all right and w- what about his warnings did you find those to be uh, major key subjects that came in there so where he said be on your guard and or be alert right be alert. Uh, remember, and how was that one used? I didn't mark that in, that one. The okay, so I'm going to put on here. Remember my ministry. Yeah. So then, his ministry becomes also major in here, does it not? Did we actually, by the time we did day four's homework, because Kay took us into looking at that specifically, right, Um, did we not then come to see how significant all of those um, points were that he was bringing up about his personal ministry? Why do you think Paul was doing that? What was his reason for, I did this and I did that? Was that because he's such a big braggart? That's right he he total humility, but what he was doing was demonstrating to them through his own ministry what he was hoping for to see in them as well, to be birthed in their hearts, that they would remember the things that he had done and how he had admonished them for how long three years right so um all right, so, and then any other keywords that you want to pull out that maybe are less important, but, but are still good keywords to have marked? Did you mark anything else? Pardon? Oh, yeah, time references, yeah. That's another subject, but all your time references... And those time references show us a progression of time and events happening, and he did, he was here, and then he was here, and then he was here, which results in us being able to do what with a map? Chart his course, right? Yeah. That was helpful to do that. Yes. Because at first when I was reading, like, the first part of it is very heavy, and he went here, and he went here, and then he skipped this place, and mm-hmm. but then when you actually write it on. Oh, that makes sense. And, uh, and what I thought was interesting at one point, he did a detour, didn't he? Yeah, he, like, he started to go one way, and then I, I'm wondering about that. What do you think might have happened there? Do you think he got Do you think he got wind of some kind of something or? So he turned around and went a different way. He went a different route in order to avoid these people who were, who were going to be coming up against him. So very cool. And, you know, as far as ministry work is concerned, you know, there's a great lesson in that too, isn't there? I mean, it, it, first of all, it's practical. I mean, it's like common sense, duh. Don't go into the mob if you don't have to, right? Um, but also it's, it's understanding that sometimes our plan to do something one way. If it doesn't work, there's always another way to get the job done. There's more than one way to skin a cat, they say, right? <laughs> so you figure out the, the other route, and you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and your own common sense, right? So he did. I mean, we know enough about Acts to know that his, the Spirit leading him to Jerusalem is going to put him right in the midst of the mob. Oh, yeah. So but yet he knew he wasn't to face the mob in in... Macedonia but rather he was to head to Jerusalem and he knew that yes he did over and over it's exactly right the gospel of John and it was his time had not yet come his time had not yet come until right at the end of the John account and then he says his time had come it's like oh yes Yes. I got to get up in the morning. Exactly. i <laughs> so you know, yeah. he he Until early in the morning. Yeah. It sounds just like something I would do. That I yeah, because you know, once you get started preaching, you can't shut up. <laughs> I mean, and teaching. I could be here till if you guys would stay. I would stay, you know. We could, we could go on till midnight, really. It'd be fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not for you guys, but for me. <laughs> See, you got, one of you guys would be falling out of a window, and I'd have to <laughs> fall on you and raise you from the dead. So, you know. <laughs> All right. So that gives us our basic words in and out. And there were a few words. So I looked at the word exhortation. And it, and as I said, it actually the word admonish" and exhortation almost kind of overlap one another. And so that was one of the key words that I did. Um, let's move on then, and let's actually just go systematically through um, uh, Acts 20. And do basically, it's going to be an outline. Now, I've got a lot of information on my sheet I'm not going to write on the board. I'm just going to write the bullet points, and you'll get the rest of the information when you get the, um, the email. However, you, you know, can fill in anything that's significant to you as we move along. What we're going to try to do too is uh, incorporate a few of the day four's cross-references. So you might want to pull those out if you have those printed or handy somewhere. For those of you who do that, it's kind of handy to have those cross-references. Hold on, let me see, let me get mine. Okay, so it's going to be 2 Corinthians 6, 7, 11, Ephesians 2, Ezekiel, 2 Corinthians 2, and Acts 20 again, okay? So you might want to pull those out. All right, let's start at the beginning. So what we are going to break this down into, uh, again, paragraph divisions. So we're going to go 1 through 6 as our first paragraph. What do we see going on in 1 through 6? And this becomes repetitive almost, honestly, except that there's a lot of good details in it once you get beyond the titling of it. But uh, what do you see happening in the first six verses with Paul? Again, see that term right away? He's taking his leave of them, right? And then he left to go to where? Macedonia. So he left Ephesus and he went to Macedonia. And when he had gone through those districts and had given them much what? Exhortation. Then he came to? Greece. Okay. So, and there he spent how long? Three months. Three months. And when a plot was formed against him by the Jews as he was about to sell for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And, all right, so in essence, if you have to boil this down, this is Paul again doing what? Traveling through and doing what? Teaching, exhorting, and, and and ultimately what you do know is what's going on in the mind of Paul concerning... It's really a fair. It is a final address to everybody he's saying goodbye to as he as he is traveling. Because we know as we get to the end, he says to the Ephesians specifically, "What what won't they see again? Will we'll not see his, his face again." So I want to kind of put this up here. Um, well, maybe I should put somebody find that verse for me. Will not see my face again. Where is that one at? Okay. So t- and 38, 38 38 and yeah, 25 yeah. Okay, so he's actually says it twice. I missed that. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. They're remembering that he said it. Okay, got it. Okay. So if we start with the fact that we understand that that Paul in his in his mind, he understands he is making his final address, right, so that 's why you're going to see all these references to he 's exhorting them, and then he, and he passes through and he, and, he, and he encourages them in some way, and he passes through. but he stays he a little bit of time here and a little bit of time there, but he doesn't say any, any long, great time again like he did with uh, Corinth or like he did at. Uh, Ephesus, before where he spent quite a long period of time. Instead, it's almost like his first journey through where he was coming in and planting seeds and moving on and planting seeds and moving on and planting seeds, and and planting seeds right? Then his second journey, what does he do? Watering. He comes in and he waters. He stays put for a longer period of time. He's, he makes a, a, a cognitive choice through the leading of the Holy Spirit to really pour himself into two locations, right? Right discipling and raising them up taking them from babies to more mat- to a higher level of maturity and training obviously many leaders that are going to take the reins for him when he is finally gone. And at the time he's doing that disciple making and he's spending a year and a half in one place and three years in another, he may not at that point realize that he's going to eventually not be coming back. He, He may not know that part of his life yet, but he's doing phase two. So what we really see in his three journeys is three phases. Phase one, planting seeds and getting the churches birthed right? Comes back very shortly after and begins to water water them and strengthen them, right? Now, three, he's departing and he knows he's he's out of here. What would you say about that in relationship to every believer's faith walk? Can you see application of that kind of Scenario for all of us. I especially have felt it a lot because of having been military and moving and moving. This is the longest I've ever been anywhere. And so I'm actually feel like I'm, you know, in that more of a, of a, maturing people up where before I was always running in and starting a precept class and getting people established in a few doctrines and they understand what covenant is. They understood what assurance of salvation was and I'd move on. (laughs) I was gone, right? So here's the longest time. It's along those phases. But eventually what happens? You move on potentially to another life scenario, whatever God leads you into. Yes, Celeste. Well, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just talking about the three journeys, but yes, before Paul was even ready to go and begin to do a lot of that, he himself had to equip himself to be prepared to begin real ministry work. Uh, And he actually got a chance to kind of test the waters a little bit at the very beginning because when he first got saved, what what does it say about after he got saved? Immediately, he began to do what? preach the preach that Jesus was the Christ immediately he it was like his spiritual gifting kicked in like that he you know he obviously we know paul 's background is he has a lot of history of um, uh, really excellent training in the in the law right so he understood the law all he had to do was go to the next phase of it and learn how it applied in this this new thing called the new covenant which was what celestine is mentioning that there was a period where paul left and he was taught it says in the scripture by the holy spirit and so by jesus himself so all right so we see here in acts 20 we open it really by saying you will not see my face again so in verses one to six then what do we see him doing farewell right to who Uh, yeah but what was the locations Macedonia Macedonia and Greece okay so he's saying farewell to Macedonia and Greece and then we go into chapter 7 through 12 here's the one that you mentioned Heinz that was really interesting. He, again, he, he's been here for a short period of time. Where is he? At Troas, Troas. right? And this is in Turkey. And what happens there? I, be, I love it. He began. He began talking to them. <laughs> okay. I would imagine that paul was probably one of those captivating teachers that apparently i mean to have an audience all the way to midnight when he started speaking to them earlier in the day thinking that he was going to be quickly done and going right but then all of a sudden it just it's kind of like when you it happens on occasion have have you ever had it happen to you where you've started a conversation with someone and they have Questions and they have more questions. They have more. You sometimes just—it's like I can remember even being on an airplane one time and a guy started a conversation with me. And I'm not kidding. We went from Genesis to Revelation and back again. Oh, and we hit all kinds of subjects, and it, it became very intense at at a certain point but the it was a long flight I was coming from overseas and and this long flight and he wouldn't let me go I mean and no matter what and he was sitting behind me so he's talking through the crack I was no he was sitting next to me the woman behind me she was sitting with her ear like this at the crack of the seat (laughs) trying to I noticed her uh, you know at some point I was doing it turned and I thought what is that hair sticking through the (laughs) through the but she had her ear right up to the crack in the seat was listening to every word so you know it happens to all of us on occasion where you begin a conversation you think you're going to be done quickly and pretty soon minutes go into hours you know and you're saying okay I need another cup of coffee or something right <laughs> okay so here we see Paul then uh he's giving a, a farewell at Troas right and it's runs late into the night correct mm-hmm. all right so I don't know how how did you title this did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's right. It's pretty, it, it's really pretty. He didn't captivate everybody. Else. He didn't captivate one poor little boy who by, but he hung in, the kid hung in there though until what, until When? Midnight. So that's why I titled it Late Night, Paul's Late Night Farewell at Troas, because it ran all the way into late into the night. And then what did he have to do there that I thought was so interesting? He left them with one final sign. Yes, he did. Isn't that? Uh, I never even thought of that. Oh, I should have put sign on my thing. I didn't do it. i have to go back and do that. It's, it is a sign. You're right. I just totally went right past it. My brain wasn't in it. So again, let's, let's do that here. We see another sign. And I love those signs because um, what do the signs do and what is, what is their purpose? Okay, number one, they point to the fact that there's something significant, right? What else? It shows the power of God is in it with Paul, that Paul is basically supported or, or um, confirmed as being from God. It confirms that God is with him. So we see uh, the sign is this boy named Eutychus, right? Yeah, Eutychus is raised from the dead. Okay, so you might want to put that as an additional part of your title. It, it makes for a lot, but it still is, I do think you're right, it is, it is insightful. And it is really interesting that Diane, he's on his way out, and when he makes this one st- stop at trust, he, ha- he, for whatever reason, has an extended period. It seems to me like he needed to do a lot more teaching than he had planned on. That these were people that needed more instruction about some real basic doctrinal points. And so he was wanting to make sure that they had the meat of the gospel before he left. He didn't want to leave them unequipped for the most essentials that are necessary. So what do you think was in his sermon?